You're listening to Talking Law, the podcast where business owners just like you discover how to avoid legal landmines and build value using smart legal tips. Join your host, Joanna Oki, as she cuts through the legal jargon and gives you clear and simple actionable legal strategies, which will get you optimal business results. Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to Talking Law. Today we're talking about brand new legislation that's really important for you to understand if you're a business owner, manager or if you deal with business contracts. It's also important for you to understand if you're a business advisor as this will impact your client. So it's a great thing for you to be making them aware of. So I'm really excited to talk about today's topic. If you want more information about this topic, check out our show notes or head over to talkinglaw.com.au where will provide information that's available for download to guide you through the legislation. So what are we covering today? Firstly, we'll be talking about what's so important about this legislation. Then I'll be talking about the nuts and bolts of the legislation as simply as possible. (laughs) And then we'll discuss why it's relevant to you and the things you need to understand. And then finally, we'll be talking about the action steps that you can take away moving forward. We have these new laws that will come into effect in just a few months that will have the effect of extending consumer unfair contract protections now to small businesses. So they're already there in relation to business to consumer contracts, but now it will be operational in relation to business to business contracts in a certain set of circumstances that we'll talk about. This change will force all businesses to consider the enforceability of their business-to-business or B2B standard contract terms. The new laws could significantly impact businesses who use B2B standard form contracts. And we'll talk about what standard form means a little bit later on because it means something different to what you perhaps might expect it means. If your business isn't ready, you may find that your contracts don't work or in particular, the particular clauses that you're looking to rely on in your contracts don't work. And in that case that you've opened the gates to your contracting parties arguing that clauses that you want to enforce are invalid. So that's the importance for us here, ensuring that clauses that we have in our contracts still remain valid after the commencement of this uh, legislation. The changes also mean that if you're a small business, you may have access to a new range of arguments to deal with difficult contracts and harsh contract terms. So you need to get ready for these changes now to ensure that you understand what these changes mean for your business. So what's the nuts and the bolts? Essentially, as I said before, this is an amendment to current legislation that already exists. The new legislation will commence on the 12th of November 2016, i.e. this year. So whilst it's not going to commence for another couple of months, it's important that you start to get your contracts in order now because once the commencement period commences, then it will be relevant to all contracts that you enter into or vary or renew after that date. So current legislation protects consumers from unfair contract terms right now. This new legislation will act to protect small businesses as well as consumers. And this all relates to unfair terms in standard form contracts. And the new legislation essentially says in its simplest form, any term that is deemed to be unfair, where that term is in a standard form contract and one party 
is or may be a small business, then that term will be void. That means that term will be unenforceable. So that's essentially what the legislation says. So what contracts are impacted? Firstly, there's a timing question. So contracts that are entered into or renewed after the 12th of November this year will be caught. Contracts that are varied after 12th of November will also be caught, but only to, um, but it will only apply to the varied terms or the terms that were varied. And it will apply from the 12th of November onwards to month-to-month contracts. So in time, obviously, all of your contracts will be caught as long as the other provisions apply. But this 12th of November point is important to bear in mind in relation to new contracts entering into renewing, varying, or any month-to-month contracts. So that's the timing element. What else does it take for a contract to be caught by this legislation? because the legislation applies to most contracts, but not all contracts. So the legislation applies where one party to a contract is a small business. What's a small business? A small business is a business with a headcount of less than 20. So the headcount includes part-timers, full-timers, and casuals who are employed in a regular and systematic basis. But one of the issues, obviously, is we don't necessarily always know or understand how many employees a counterparty has. And one thing to bear in mind in relation to this legislation is that group companies aren't aggregated. So you might be dealing with a counterparty that has a particular business entity that has a number of subsidiaries or parent companies that might be part of a group of companies. And that company will be considered to be a small business if one of their entities, i.e. the entity that you're dealing with, has less than 20 people. So I think the relevance for us all is that it can be very difficult for us to understand whether or not a counterparty that we're dealing with is a small business or not, because we don't necessarily understand how many, what the headcount is of that business. So it's best for us to design our contracts if we think that there is a possibility that any contracting party might be a small business then it's sensible and prudent for us to design our contracting process assuming that the parties that we're dealing with are small businesses unless there's a particular reason why not to or unless we particularly know that a business that we're dealing with certainly couldn't be captured in this regime so remember only one party needs to be a small business in this situation. It also applies where the contract price is less than $300,000 or if the contract has has a term greater than one year, then a contract value of less than a million dollars. And when we're looking at contract price, we're looking at the quantifiable contract price. So where the contract price is unclear or unquantifiable, we assume that it's captured as one of these contracts that can't have an unfair term in it. And then the third component is where the contract is a standard form contract. So all of these three need to apply. One of the parties has a headcount of less than 20, the contract price is under these figures, and it's a standard form contract. Now, when we say standard form contract, often we might think that what we're talking about is pre-printed contracts, you know, i.e. contracts that can't be um, can't be varied by either side or, or contracts that appear, for example, on a website as terms and conditions that we ask one party to click. Obviously, they would comply as a standard form contract. But other contracts 
might also be caught if there's little or no scope for one of the parties to negotiate the terms of the contract or when one party isn't genuinely given the chance to negotiate the terms of the contract. And so I think it's really important for us to bear in mind that lots of types of contracts might be caught by this legislation, not just those standard pre-printed contracts or click online contracts, but certainly those would be likely to be um, captured as well. So now we know what contracts are caught by the new legislation, let's talk about what the issues are that the legislation highlights, i.e. what clauses might be considered to be unfair. Here we're looking at clauses that cause a significant imbalance in the rights and obligations between each of the parties and that would cause detriment to the small business if the clause were relied on and the clause isn't reasonably necessary to protect the legitimate interests of the business. So what the hell does that all mean? That's a bit technical. So let's talk about actual examples of clauses that are in the target area of of areas that might be causing problems. So an example is that a clause where one party can vary a contract and the other party can't. And actually, one of the comments that I want to make in relation to all of these types of clauses is that you may not even realise you have these sorts of clauses in your agreement. So for example, this first clause that we're talking about where we have a clause where one party can vary the contract but the other party can't vary it. These clauses can often be caught in the boilerplate provisions right at the end of the contract and often you may not even realise that this clause is part of, you know, is is one of the clauses in your contract. So that's something that I, I really want you to bear in mind. Often you may not realise that clauses you have in your contract might be considered to be unfair because you don't even realise they're there. So anyway, a clause where one party can vary the contract but another party can't are an example of something that might be considered unfair. Early termination fees are another type of clause that might be considered unfair. So early termination fees are those fees that apply if one party wants to terminate before the end of the contract. A common example of this might be, for example, in a fixed-term lease. So in fixed-term leases, we often have a clause that provides an automatic rollover if there isn't a move made by one of the parties to termination. And if then if the business wants to terminate after rollover, often there'll be another clause that says they have to pay an early termination fee. So early termination fees won't always be considered to be an unfair clause. However, the sorts of questions that a court will ask once this legislation comes in to work out whether or not the term is fair or not is whether or not the parties knew of its existence. Did both parties know about it? Did they understand what the fee was and how it would apply and how it would be calculated? The courts will look at how understandable the contract is and whether or not there's sufficient disclosure. Do both parties sufficiently understand what the early termination fee is? Do they understand what they have to pay? Do they understand how it's calculated? Disclosure in this sense is really, really important. So if you want to prove that a fee like an early termination fee in this new regime is not unfair, then part of the things that you'll have to ensure that you have done is ensure that you've drafted these clause in a way that you can prove that the other party would have understood the clause, that the clause was clear and obvious, and that the way the fee is calculated is disclosed and easy to understand.
So this is where it becomes extremely important that these sorts of clauses are picked out of your agreements, are reviewed and are redrafted now so that they're written really clearly with all of the detail that's required to communicate the amount and how it will be calculated. All right, the next area that's a possible example of the types of clauses that might be considered unfair are the limited liability or no liability clauses. So often we see these sorts of clauses that seek to limit liability in cases where it's just not reasonable to do so. And I think we're going to see a lot of action moving forward in relation to these sorts of clauses. The fourth area is automatic rollover terms. So auto, automatic rollover terms are those terms that say at the end of the initial term of the contract or the term of the contract, this contract will roll over for a new term unless one party notifies the other party in writing, say, six months before the end of the termination date. And these sorts of clauses are well known to capture businesses who forget or don't even know that the terms are buried, that this clause is buried somewhere in the term. And often what happens is that companies seek to recontract a particular type of service, say for example, a waste management service or a printing service or a photocopier service. And then they find out that in fact, the contract has rolled over into a new term and they're caught there for another five years or whatever the, the initial term was. So this unfair contract terms legislation will now give us a new avenue for being able to argue why automatic rollover terms are unfair and therefore shouldn't apply. But if you're seeking to rely on an automatic rollover term, you're now going to have to redraft these terms to make sure you've proven that they're not unfair. And once again, as I said before in, in talking about other clauses, it will be ensuring that it's written in a way that's clear and easy for the parties to understand so that you can say that full disclosure has been given and that it's not unfair. All right, so termination for a convenience. This is an interesting one because this is in a lot of contracts. So termination for convenience means the ability of one party to terminate without cause, i.e. not due to the breach of the other party, but just for any reason at all. And once again, these clauses won't always be considered to be unfair, but in certain circumstances now they might be considered to be unfair. So it's really important that we're going back and having a look at all of our termination for convenience clauses and ensuring that they're used in the right way and in the appropriate way so that they're not open to attack. Six, liquidated damages clauses. So liquidated damages are a payment from one party to another where the first party has breached the contract. They're a way for us of calculating loss at the beginning of the contract. So once again, clauses will be considered unfair if they're a liquidated damage clause where one party may not understand the way in which this damage is calculated or if it's excessive in the circumstances. Now, we used to have a whole body of law that talked about what was excessive, but this new unfair contracts regime is going to really bolster that area to a significant degree. So these definitely are clauses that we need to go back and have a look at and redraft to make sure they're clear and not considered to be unfair. Seventh, wide indemnities. Indemnities are always a problematic area and they'll become particularly problematic now moving forward. So an indemnity is a promise by one party to pay the other party for possible damage, loss or injury. So a particular issue going forward now will be clauses that essentially say that the small business will be responsible for the loss of the large party, even if the larger party 
contributed to that loss, which seems like a crazy clause to be in an agreement that anyone would sign. But I've stopped counting the number of contracts I see it in. Honestly, I see it all the time. And people just mostly don't understand the clauses and they don't understand what they really mean. And often the businesses that have the clauses in their own agreements also don't understand what it means. So the risk for you is if you have wide indemnities in your agreement and you've overshot what would be considered fair, then your whole indemnity could be struck out as void, which means because you have accidentally overreached, you now are completely stripped of that indemnity protection. So as you can see, it's extremely important that we're reviewing these indemnity clauses and ensuring that they're appropriate for the situations that we're using. The eighth area is as an example of forfeiture clauses. So forfeiture clauses are where a business can retain part of the other party's funds on termination. So an example of this would be, say, a, a travel card where I go overseas and I put, say, $1,000 on, on a travel card, but I only use $950 on the card. So I've got $50 balance left. Then when I return, the provisions of that agreement in that travel card say that I'm not allowed to get a refund of the remaining $50 balance on the card that I've spent, which, which is quite common. ASIC have been looking closely at this sort of clause, and this is the sort of clause that now may be deemed as unfair in this new regime. And lastly, termination right for minor breaches. So this is where we have clauses that essentially say we have the right to terminate the contract if the other party has breached the contract and has failed to remedy the breach within a period of time. The unfair contracts regime is now saying maybe that broad brush approach to termination and breach clauses is too broad now. Maybe that is going to be creating the situation where that termination clause would be seen now as an unfair clause. So I think that's another area that's going to be really important for us to be focusing on clearly and reviewing. All right, so they're the possible examples. Just briefly, I want to talk about the exclusion. So shipping contracts aren't included, company constitutions, managed investment schemes, and generally insurance, life insurance, home insurance, car insurance. And one other area that has specifically been carved out is that you can't now challenge the price of the contract, i.e. you can't say that the contract price is unfair. All right, so what, what does this mean for you? Essentially, clauses that you may want to rely on now may be void. So contracting parties might now have an argument about clauses that they don't want to comply with. So if you have clauses in your contract that might be deemed unfair, you're now giving your counterparties reasons to, after the fact, argue that those clauses don't apply to them. And in doing so, potentially stripping out all the protections you have in that contract, in that particular clause. Conversely, if you're a small business, you now actually have a new arsenal that's opened up to you in relation to dealing with these with these contracts that might be in provisions clauses that might be considered unfair. So one of the things I would really like to mention is if you're a small business, you now have to be careful in negotiations because potentially if you're spending a lot of time negotiating a particular term in the contract, but you've forgotten to negotiate other terms, you may then that essentially would are unfair, then you may be depriving yourself of the right to argue that they're unfair later on just because you have made it clear that you 
have negotiated the contract, if you get what I mean. So it's really important that you understand the clauses that you're negotiating and understanding the risk that is contained in the clauses that you're not negotiating. All right, so moving on, what should you do now? So I think the first step is ensuring that you get ready now, or if you're an advisor, ensuring that you're letting your clients know that they need to start getting ready now. So you need to review your contracts. Could someone argue that your contracts are unfair? You need to understand what your important clauses are and reduce your risk in those clauses and don't overstretch. Make sure you're limiting your clauses to something that couldn't, can't be rebutted later on. Review your contract process. Do you have checks and balances in place to ensure that small businesses understand their obligations? Is your contract easy to read? Will it be easy for you to show that businesses who have signed your contracts have understood what it is that they're signing? And keep in mind the new protections if you're a small business. Be careful, as I said, that about negotiating unimportant clauses and missing the important ones, and therefore taking away your right to claim that they're unfair in the future. And maybe, just maybe, consider holding off on signing or renewing a contract until the 12th of November so you have access to this new regime. So that's it for today. Just a quick recap about what we covered today. In this episode, we talked about the nuts and bolts of the new legislation, what sorts of clauses might be considered to be unfair, the consequences of having clauses that might be considered to be unfair, and the action steps that you should be taking now. If you'd like more information about this topic, head over to our website at talkinglaw.com.au for a free download on the key items to be careful of in your contracts to avoid the issues raised by this new legislation. Through that website, you'll also be able to download a transcript of this podcast episode if you want to read about it in more detail. And you'll also find details of how to contact our lawyers at Aspect Legal if you'd like help with any of the items that we covered today. And finally, if you enjoyed what you heard today, please pop over to iTunes and leave us a review. We'd be awfully grateful. Thanks again for listening in and see you next time. Thanks for listening to Talking Law. Tune in next time for more smart legal tips and tricks to keep you clear of those legal landmines. If you want to get a download of today's show notes, head over to talkinglaw.com.au. Information in this podcast is general in nature, not legal advice. If you want advice for your business, visit talkinglaw.com.au.